The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wesley Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. So I'd invoke us, I'd invite us to love people, use things. Um, thought to myself, might be interested in, as a challenge in our society to change out one of the words and talk about love people, use ideas rather than love ideas, use people. Because I think in our society right now, there's an awful lot of division. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great opportunity for me to stand up here and use my preaching as a club to beat you over the head because I've got an idea that I think is great. And I, I'm going to hate you guys unless you love my idea. Um, not, not the intent, right? The intent is that we need to love people, <laughs> ideas, things, stuff, all is towards that end. The truth of God's word is offered to us in love to bring us into life. The truth of God's word isn't here as a club to beat each other over the head. That's introductory comments. Section N plus one, probably section one. There's a phrase out there that in society you might hear, God helps those that helps themselves. What book of the Bible is that found in? (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) That's found in uh, Pelagius, first epistle of Pelagius. (laughs) So I've got some different verses that we might think about. Um, so I like to make eye contact with you guys, but I need my glasses on for that. But I like to read. <laughs> it's very complicated. Uh, James 4, verse 6. Anybody want to recite that for me? James 4, 6. And I've got them copied out on my paper here. So if, you, if you're taking notes, you can take notes. James 4, 6, in which it is written, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. First um, Peter 5.5 5 might sound familiar. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. About Proverbs 3.34. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. You get a theme coming out of those? God helps those that are humble. Close yourselves with humility for her. And the, 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 the statement in First Peter I find most striking, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Back to the situation, we can be in a situation where we're externally doing exactly the same thing, but I'm doing it in humility and... Uh, Jude over here next to me, I have to bring back my character from three weeks ago. Jude is doing it in pride. We may, it may look externally like we're doing exactly the same thing, and yet God is going to support that which I'm doing. He'll give grace to, and he's going to oppose what God does. Sorry, what Jude does. 
So that's kind of a big deal to get in our heads. If we do things in pride, what we're invoking is for God to oppose us. Huh. How's that going to turn out? So I was very proud that I knocked my paper on the floor. There's a song that we sing that is based on, it's a quote of, uh, Romans 8.31. For if our God is for us, then who can be against us? Um, we, we, sometimes we can be presumptive in that and skip over that little word. For if our God is for us, then who can be against us? And we assume God's with us. You know, obviously God wants the Buccaneers to win. Um, perhaps the Buccaneers were too proud and God opposed them. I don't know. <laughs> I won't go there. Um, if we're doing something proudly, our God is not for us. Our God is against us. Ooh. So that's not, a, that's not a great position to be in. So let's not be presumptive thinking, yep, I'm, I'm doing the right thing and God's going to come and help me do what I want to get done, what I want to get done. Let's rather say, what does God want to get done? And let me align with that in humility. <coughs> so we need to not approach something in pride. We need to approach things with humility. But then what does that mean is my next question. So this is section two, perhaps. What, what, what is, what's humility look like? Uh, C.S. Lewis, this is my second quote. So Peter Kreeft was my first quote. Peter Kreeft wrote a book that includes invoking C.S. Lewis many times. So there's my connection there. C.S. Lewis quote from Mere Christianity is, humility is not to think less of yourself. Humility is to think of yourself less. So where are you? Where am I? Where are we in the grand scheme of our mindset? Um, so if you think about, as Tracy called it, story time with Tom three weeks ago, I told the stories of the various people as they were carrying out acts of love. What they were thinking about was, what does that other person need? How can I care for that person? And then doing that thing, caring about the other person. It was not saying, how are those people going to look at me if I do this? This, this is, I, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal, and I'm doing this because I'm kind of a big deal. Didn't, didn't fit into their mindset. When Paul and Sarah were here two weeks ago, we're kind of a big deal was the furthest thing from their mind. Uh, so, if we are acting in love towards others and I'm thinking about you and what are your needs and what is God wanting to do in your life and how can I do that? What are the skills that I can bring to bear to that to, ex to, to carry out acts of love, acts of caring for the other? Pride is not going to be issue. <clears throat> so consider... Um, If I do something for you, what I need to be caring about is you. I need to not be caring about what do you think of me. So that can easily see. If I don't, I don't care what you think of me, that can come across wrong. So I'm not saying be a jerk. Because if I'm being a jerk, 
that's not caring for you. It's not caring for and acting for your good. So I'm not saying be a jerk, but what I am saying is I need to worry about how are you doing? You know, we're the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. This guy on the side of the road, what are people going to think if they see me stooping down and touching a guy that's been injured? He's probably a criminal anyway. That wasn't what he was thinking. Of. He wasn't saying, how are people going to think about me? He was saying, what does this guy need? How can I use the resources that I have to help him, to show the love of God to him, to help him in his need? How can I care for him? How can I act on that, that caring? I think that's the heart of humility, is that. It's thinking less about yourself. Sorry, it's thinking about yourself less, not trying to put yourself down. I'm going to just paraphrase C.S. Lewis a little bit because I can get those words twisted in my, hand, in my head. So suppose that I'm good with spreadsheets. So I, I will argue that I'm among the better people at making Microsoft Excel do what I want it to do. So I could say, oh, little me, that's very proud of me. I'm going to get somebody that has no clue how to use a spreadsheet to, to go do the church books. That wouldn't be a particularly humble thing to do. So can I imagine, can I envision that I have a skill and I could use it to do good things and to say, yeah, actually, it's a, not a bad skill. They, they, sometimes they even pay me to do it. It's amazing. Uh, not at church, but at work, they, they pay me to make Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. They pay me to talk on the phone. They pay me to write emails. It's amazing. They maybe pay me to solve logic problems. It's exciting. <clears throat> but if I think I am... It's all about me. I am so smart. I am so good. <laughs> I am the master of spreadsheets. It's getting into, I'm thinking about myself, and pride is coming in. If I'm saying, oh, I don't want to be seen as having a skill with spreadsheets because I'm worried about how people perceive that I'm presenting myself, that's a form of pride too. Both of those are pride. If I'm thinking about, here's something that needs to be done, here's a skill that I have, and I can use that skill to accomplish the purposes that God has, because I care for and I act for the good of others, there's, there's no pride in that recognition of what one has done. If you think, you know, I'm responsible for the skill that I have, pride is coming back in. Another form is, another risk is, is so, so false humility, right? False, one form of false humility is saying I can't do the things that I can do. Another form of the false humility is, you know, I don't, I don't want people to think that I want to be recognized, but I really want everybody to come and pat me on the back. So how can I do this in a way that I look humble, but afterwards everybody comes up and says, man, Tom, that was great what you did. You are so good with spreadsheets. Um, the, the, that actually has never happened. But um, so using, it is a real life example. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be real, right? I'm trying to not use flippant illustrations. Um, but if, if I try to do, if I do something in a way that I try to get recognition but not be seen to be getting recognition, it's kind of a false humility because I'm there worried about what do people think about me up to, back to that, rather than saying I'm caring for others, acting for the good of others. 
So I think three weeks ago I was talking about love, mission statement of the church. Today I'm talking about humility, but they are so tightly tied together. Uh, dealing with a younger time. When I was young, I was petrified of being put on the spotlight. I had to, you know, in our little community of 25 people that lived in it, and I was in grade 12, I was asked to make a speech to the 25 people that I had known for all my life, and they knew me for all of my life. And to get out there on stage and actually have to say a three-minute speech, I was scared stiff. I think that's not a form of humility. I think it's a form of, I'm worried about what other people think about me, which is a form of pride. If I'm up here today and um, I'm hoping to share words that demonstrate that I care for you, that I care for the carrying out of God's forming his character in your lives, and I'm hoping that it's uh, action that will lead to that succeeding. But frankly, I don't care what you think about me in a constructive way. <laughs> so my intent is not out here for you guys to say, wow, that gave, you know, he, he should get a great prize for that speech. My intent is that God's will be further developed in each of our lives. Uh, and that, so we read James 4, 6. I'm going to skip a few verses and do a dot, dot, dot up to 4.10. James 4, 6 starts, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, dot, dot, dot. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So it feels, it feels like there's a, an oxymoron in there. You know, humble yourselves and he will exalt you. But it's actually okay to be exalted if what you're being exalted for is God is exalting you. God is putting you at the center of attention, but because he's using that to accomplish his purposes versus for everybody to think that you're kind of a big deal. So I don't like spotlights. I still don't like being in the spotlight, but I'll do it as necessary. So suppose that I was a beautiful young lady. I don't have any experience being a beautiful young lady. Andrew, can you tell me about what it's like to be a beautiful young lady? Nope. Uh, so the beautiful ladies in the room will have to tell us guys what that was like or what that is like or that will be like, depending on your various ages. Um, but here's, I know, what it, some characteristics of it. If you sit there thinking, man, I chose my DNA just right, so that I got just the right nose shape and just the right hair color. It is not we that made ourselves, but God has made us. He has given us the characteristics to be who we are. What I do know is that if I'm a beautiful young lady, I need to be focused on the people around them, caring about them, acting for their good, rather than caring about my beautifulness and what other people think about me. forget the young ladies' names from my story last time. But those young ladies, they did, that, that message was for them. So there's a, I'm going to pull in one more passage. 1 Corinthians 4, sorry, 
1 Corinthians, see if I can say this straight, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, in which Paul is praying, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about God was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the first thing that strikes me is Paul is recognizing goodness in the lives of the people of the Corinthian church. He says all kinds of nice things about that. They've been enriched in Christ in speech and knowledge. They're not lacking any spiritual gift. They are awaiting the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, all those are great things. But what's interesting is his first words were, I give thanks to my God always for you, because it's God that is acting and doing those things. So the basis of love, the basis of humility, the basis of all our life has to be, tying in one more word, grace. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God. It's the work of God. It's the creation of God that makes anything of what we are, what we are, anything good of what we are, what we are. So we don't have a basis to be proud for it. We don't have a basis to shirk from it's more, it's a responsibility that we've been given. If I have an ability, rather than hiding it, rather than being proud of it, I need to feel responsible for it, to carry it out, to do that which God has called me to do in love, in humility, on, in recognition of his grace and his goodness and his giving that makes any of it possible. Some tactical examples, a good one and a bad one. So there's a guy from Intercrystal Ministries that was putting on a seminar at Regent College in Vancouver, late 80s at Rosemary and I went to. And he was talking, so he lived in Seattle. And in the late 80s, you know, one of the gripes that people in the Pacific Northwest and all of our cities had was how expensive houses and real estate were continues to be the case. It's even more obscene today how expensive real estate is. But back then it was too. And he was talking about, so he had been praying for a house. And, and the, the perspective that each offered, two perspectives. One, if I desire you know, a posh house in a posh neighborhood because I want to self-indulge in it, maybe that's not a way to pray for a house. But if I desire a house in which I can be a blessing to others, that is something that God is going to honor. If I'm looking for how can I, I'm seeking for a resource that I can use in order to care for others and act for their good, how is God not going to bless that? So we need to approach our life day-to-day decisions in a way that reflects the love of God in us. It reflects humility. It doesn't reflect desire for self-indulgence. It's desire for self-recognition. It reflects a desire for carrying out that which God has called us to do. Um, 
humility is not something that you could say, yep, got that. So you think about David, King David. He's a pretty humble guy. He's a king, but he wasn't all full of himself. He was a king doing, carrying out what God's will for his life was. But there came a certain spring, the time when, young, when, men, when kings went out to war. David stayed behind. He was getting kind of arrogant and ran into the whole Bathsheba situation. So he pretty arrogantly took care of things and you know, it didn't work out so well for Uriah, whom David had killed. David, in his pride, sinned tremendously, did great evil, hurt all kinds of people. Bathsheba was damaged through that. The child that was conceived was damaged through that. Uriah was damaged through that. The impact on the people was damaged through that. So David was a humble guy for much of his life, but he stumbled. So if you got this covered today, watch out for tomorrow. Remain loving and humble tomorrow. So I think I'll I'll, I'll come close to ending it at this point, ending the conversation today. Um, I'll ask the question if anybody wants to talk about that. In your day-to-day, so I gave, gave some illustrations. I gave some illustrations from David's life, from Jeff Troutman's life, because, you know, they're far away. It's less risky. Anybody have any issues you want to talk about? So this is, I don't have a microphone ready. Any, any, any thoughts, reactions back, 30-second sound bites? So the... Uh, having the ability to love others, having the orientation to love others, having the anything humble about that is, uh, is comes from the grace of God working in us, and it's it's backwards to how the how we're born. The way we're born is it's all about me. God can work that change in our lives. Other thoughts about, here's a thought. How about making it practical? So here's what I really don't want us to be. I don't want us to be the boat club in the middle of the Sahara. You know, how how do we really do this? 30-second soundbite on practicalities of this. You guys have already got it all down pat. Excellent. Keep it up. (laughs) 